My name is Belinda Granger and I'm the professional liaison for Challenge Family. I'm also known throughout the triathlon world as being a bit of a mother hen to the pro athletes. Of course, given the current circumstances, I've been thinking about the athletes a lot lately. So we came up with the idea of Coffee Calls with Belinda, which basically gives me and you an opportunity to check in with them all and see how they're all going. So welcome to the official Challenge Family podcast. I think it's time for a coffee. And welcome back to Coffee Calls with Belinda. I'm Belinda Granger and on the line today uh, we have probably, no not probably, definitely the most popular uh, female triathlete in the world and also of course one of the greatest female triathletes in the world right now and her gorgeous husband. Welcome Lucy Charles Barclay and Reese Barclay. Hi guys. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Oh, I'm the one that should be saying thank you. Uh, firstly, because you are giving up your Saturday morning, which um, I know a lot of triathletes would not do. So I have to thank you for that to start. Um, and also, obviously, uh, for giving me this weekend, a very special weekend. Obviously, it was going to be the weekend of Challenge Roth. We should all be in Germany right now. Um, but unfortunately, due to the craziness that is 2020, we're all stuck at home. But um, yeah, great to have you on the show, guys. Oh, yeah, it's strange to think it would be Challenge Roth this weekend. We had like an awesome road trip planned. We were actually going to drive over in a VW camper van and make a real sort of journey out of it. And obviously we love the race. So seeing all the photos from the past two years, it's just like, oh, I wish I wish we were there. So it's really, really strange times. It is. And I didn't realise you're going to do that. How cool. And I've I've seen pictures of your van. It's very, very cool, I must must admit. And it's funny because when I was younger, I used to do a lot of camping with my parents. And then when I was in my 30s, I actually moved away from that sort of traveling. Um, but now that I'm, we won't tell anyone that I'm reaching my 50s, um, I'm really keen to go back to that. And I think it's fantastic. But you guys, um, you've had your van now for how long? Not, it's not that long, is it, that you've had that um, cool we, van? We pretty much got it after Kona, actually. We flew yes, okay. home and then um, made a bit of a trip up there to the van company and they showed us around the van that they kind of custom to Team Charles Barclay. They have like our branding in there and I know a lot of triathletes have seen it and uh, it's kind of, I've seen actually a lot of triathletes. Um, Eric and Paula have got an amazing van as well. So vans are pretty cool at the moment. And uh, They are, yeah. they are. <laughs> I think it's unreal and it really is the best way to go. I, I just particularly where you guys, you know, are living in, in you know, in, in Europe because it's just so easy to get everywhere. Um not so not so much here in Australia. It takes a long time to get <laughs> anywhere. But yeah, but still very, very cool. And of course, um Steph Hansen from witsup.com recently did a podcast, I think it was on either Wednesday or Thursday this week, with Felix Walshurfer, obviously the race director and owner of um, Challenge Roth and I have to admit I'd, I'd been in a little bit of denial sort of pretending this weekend wasn't happening um, but I did listen to that podcast today and just listening to Felix talk and see how emotional that he's getting um, yeah it's pretty hard not to not to be just a, a little bit sad right now. Yeah, I mean, Felix is probably one of the, the loveliest men on the planet. He's just so yeah. friendly. He welcomes you like you're his family when you come and race there. And his passion is just so apparent for that race. So, um, yeah, I can only imagine how he's feeling. And obviously all the people that love that race, it's it's just going to make next year even more special, the fact that we've had to have a year off. So, I mean, we're obviously excited to be going back next year and, and can't wait for it. Oh, I know. And I know everyone over there is over the moon that you've uh, already signed up for 2021. That's awesome. Um, now, Lucy, obviously you've done Roth twice now, your first year, 2018, uh, where I think you had one of the most, well, to me, to me personally, it was the most spectacular female finish I've ever witnessed in the 25 odd years I've been in the sport. I mean, there was a mere nine seconds uh, <laughs> separating yourself and, and Danny Blymel. A truly remarkable race. Uh, I think it was 8.43.42 to 8.43.51. So amazing race. You came back last year and it was obvious that you wanted nothing but to win, which I loved, Um, and you did that in fine fashion. Yeah, I think actually it was only um, quite recently where all of the Roth stuff has been coming up, obviously, because it's um, this time of year. 
and they replayed the two different finishes and I actually had forgotten just how close that finish was with <laughs> yeah. Daniela Blame. I was like, oh my God, it was literally within <laughs> touching distance. And I mean, it's definitely <sighs> what, what kind of motivated us to go away and be like, you know what, you were so close. We've, we've got to come back and get that win. And obviously Reese and I worked very, very hard towards that, but it is just one of the most amazing finish lines on the circuit. The, the way that the, the finish line actually bends round is just so different to anything else. So watching that back, I was like, oh, and then obviously I, I watched it about 10 times on repeat, me winning the race last year. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. yes, that that's what I want. Like, I just need to get back to some racing. And obviously yeah. we're, we're both missing racing as I'm sure every athlete on the planet is, but um, that is pretty special, that finish line. There's, there's an interesting, think... there's an interesting Sorry, story Rizzi. with, with that, um, that first year in 2018. Um, so I had done the relay um, that year and I just finished the bike section and I was hearing that the, the ladies race was really close to the finish. So oh. I was quickly putting my bike in transition, handed my relay timing chip over to my runner and then was running into the town to try and find the end of the women's race. Wow. And I managed to get about 400 metres from the finish line. So just before the ladies got into the stadium. Yeah. And I saw Daniela Blemil come through the crowd uh, with the lead pro woman bike. And she was, she had that, I'm absolutely spent look and oh. I've got 400 metres to go glazed kind of face. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. and then Lucy comes around the corner with the same expression <laughs> and they were both they were both like you know it, with the utmost respect to them both absolutely spent you could see and I just screamed at the loudest that I can saying go just go you can go. catch her and then all of a sudden Lucy just was like oh right I can catch her and she started sprinting and sprinting and I thought oh. I thought that she might have she might have got her but um i couldn't get into the stadium quick enough to see the finish to so see i just it. oh no but, so, um, so basically if you'd been if like I'd another been, 400 meters back then and then shouted it could be a whole different could story. have been a different story exactly yeah. we blame, well we can blame it on race <laughs> we'll blame race but i'll be i'll be a selfish person and say i'm so glad because i think that is the reason you had such an incredible race last year and really it was perfect because i've analyzed your splits from both years and obviously your run in 2018 was around the 307 308 mark um and we all know that you you you're capable of running faster than that and you came back last year and ran a sub three the only one to go sub three um so it just shows whatever you went away and did you and reese um worked to absolute perfection because your splits in last year's race are they're as near perfect as you're going to get brilliant yeah I think we I mean both years I've kind of had um sort of stomach issues on the run to be honest I've never had yeah. the perfect day in Roth and I always say I don't know if it's because the whole excitement just gets too much I'm, too I'm not much. sure what it yeah. is um yeah. but I, I I think I in that second year it was just you know what nothing was gonna stop me I knew that I was going there and the win was all that I wanted so I was just gonna be get into that line as quickly as possible, no matter what happened. So um, there was definitely a fire to get that win last year. Oh, it was unbelievable. Now, let's go back a bit because I, obviously, I've, I've met you many times now, you and Reese, and I've seen you at lots and lots of races, but I actually don't know much about your past or Reese's. Now, obviously, we all know that you both come from a swimming background. You're both brilliant swimmers. Um, but, Lucy, I know that we've had quite a few of my friends ask, can you ask Lucy, where did it all start? What did she do back in the day? Was she an athlete from a child? Uh, and the same for you too, Reese. What what was your background? Yeah, it's quite funny actually because their backgrounds are quite different. But mm. I pretty much from about the age of eight, um, I had a few friends at school that were swimmers and I joined the same club as them because they obviously enjoyed swimming. And I kind of was just hooked on that kind of tough aspect that swimming is quite a tough sport and I just enjoyed that everyday challenge of training and the reward that I got from it 
And I, from very, very young, as, as young as nine years old, it was the Olympics that I wanted to go to for swimming. I, I was sort of every day that I was so driven towards doing that. And I guess maybe that's quite unusual for a nine year old. Um, and then I had a lot of success. I went through swimming um, at 16. I had quite a lot of national titles um, and got selected for um, kind of to go into open water, which was fairly new at the time. Um, there wasn't many swimmers doing it. And it meant that you could go away on lots of different training camps, go abroad. So I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. I get to go away from home, go on trips. So I'll give that a go um, and had quite a lot of success in the 5k. And then was sort of they said oh there's a 10k distance as well and I've always been <laughs> right. someone that was quite a challenge seeker and actually when I was nine years old it was the 200 butterfly that I wanted to race because I was like that's the toughest event that's the one I want to do um and then at 16 was probably one of the youngest people doing the 10k event and wanting to do the marathon wow. swim so um and then basically come London 2012 I had two events um that I had kind of was looking to try and qualify for the Olympics for, which was the 800 freestyle in the pool, which I made the final of our Olympic trials in London. But obviously that's not enough. Um, I think I finished about eighth. So that wasn't enough to make the team. And then in the open water, I was pretty much second in line to go to the Olympics behind Kerri-Ann Payne, who is one of our great open water swimmers in the UK. And unfortunately, the way the selection criteria worked, they only took one athlete. So it meant that I missed uh. out on, on doing the home game. So that was pretty tough. And after that, I I was quite motivated. I was like, you know what, right, let's go all in. Let's do four more years to see if I can make the next Olympics. And pretty much in 2013, I had one of my most successful years as a swimmer. But I had just lost that love for the sport. I did one of my best ever races, finished it and just had no buzz. And I was like, this isn't uh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And pretty much at the end of that year, that's when Reese and I went on this crazy journey and just signed up for an Ironman distance to decide, you know what, <laughs> as, we need a new challenge. <laughs> oh, and, that's um, crazy. That, that's kind of how triathlon happened, really. We, we'd actually done an open <sighs> water race up in Scotland um Reese in fairness to him actually done really well because he was a sprint athlete I did terribly um and we went back to the hotel uh went on to Ironman UK signed up for the following year and that's kind of how it all happened really but um, so so yeah. Lucy that was in 2013 when you decided to do let's just move on to a diff completely different sport altogether and let's go to the <laughs> longest distance possible so that's from 2013 to 2014 is when you did your first Ironman is that correct Yes, so I think it was probably Oosh. about about August in 2013 we signed up and it was going to be the July 2014 Ironman UK. So we had just under a year to learn as much as we could and train for <laughs> this crazy event. So, very That's mad journey. insane. That is insane. And and before that, I mean, obviously we've all we all run growing up in some capacity, but you'd never really run properly. The same, I'm assuming for Reese and you. Um, you weren't bike, you weren't bike riders. So you basically took up biking and running in less than a year to get yourselves ready for an Ironman distance event. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it That's was crazy. a bit mad, but, um, yeah. Oh, wow. And Reese, obviously your background was, uh, open water swimming as, oh, well, not just open water, but swimming, um, and open water swimming as well. And, you whose idea was it to do triathlon so whose idea was it to actually okay let's do triathlon let's let's forget swimming um it was probably a bit of both but it was it was literally just out the blue I, I really can't tell you what told me to log on and uh, sign <laughs> up it was just oh, I didn't even unreal. we did before I before I'd actually clicked um apply uh, like we paid the money for the event and committed I still didn't yeah. actually know what the distances were I just know that I <laughs> knew that I'd signed up so that might have been a good thing yeah probably oh. <laughs> oh my gosh that's unreal um and so obviously you had just under a year to to at least get your swim biking and running under control did you do any other shorter distance triathlon racing before the main event in 2014 yeah, so I, I I had done um a plan that incorporated a sprint or oh, a super sprint, a sprint, Olympic, <laughs> nice. a seventy point oh, three awesome. and then the full 
so yeah, we kind of done them all in order. And then after the super sprint, it was like, okay, that's not too bad. Let's go on to the sprint. Ticked them off. By the time I got to the 70.3... Lucy didn't actually do the 70.3 no, distance. I just didn't want to know. I thought, yeah. that's too hard. <laughs> you said, oh, that's it. That's done. I'll, just, so go, done I'll just go straight to the main event, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I rang Lucy after the 70.3 and I was like, yeah, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do an Ironman. <laughs> I vividly like... remember that as well. I remember that phone call and he was like, I don't know how anyone races an Ironman. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, we're, in big, we're in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and and Reese, were you racing age group at this particular point in time in these races, or or were you racing pro? No, no, I was I was very much an age grouper. I was um, I was pretty much coming last in my age group as well at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was just survive kind of oh. uh, phase. <laughs> wow. And okay, so fast forward to 2014 and Ironman UK. Um, you both lined up. Um, how was it? <laughs> well we lost each other a actually a at the start <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I just remember like 15 minutes before the start I was like where the hell's Reese?" and then I don't think I actually saw you before the start so we were like oh, oh well, that no. was good uh well hopefully we'll see each other out on the course um and I think we, we did see each other out on the course uh, 11 hours in we finally yeah. saw each other <laughs> on the run course, finally saw so. each other <laughs> and then oh. I think I spent that whole 11 hours going I wonder if she's okay and then I finally oh. saw her on uh on like the last lap of the run and I think that was when I was like all right okay this isn't too bad then she's all right I'm all right we're gonna finish (laughs) (laughs) well I have to I have to think of I'm thinking about it this has to be one of the fastest um rises you know rise to fame that I've ever come across in our sport Lucy that's just it's incredible to think that that was in 2014 and we roll forward now I mean to 2020 um, that's incredible to think that you are now, you know, up there in the, in, in the greatest triathletes in the world. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I think a lot of the time it doesn't really sink in. It's not until we kind of sit there and we think, oh, actually, that wasn't really that long ago that we were doing no. that first Ironman. And actually, I think because it wasn't that long ago, I still feel like I'm that real novice athlete because everything's progressed so quickly. I still feel like... I'm that the chopper out on the bike that doesn't really know what she's doing. So, but then I have to kind of think. Actually, no, like I could. I I'm producing pretty good times now. I must know what I'm doing. And obviously, I've got a great coach sat next to me here that he's definitely. Yeah. I'm under his watchful eye, and he uh, he definitely knows what he's doing. So, um, yeah. It, at times, it's it's hard to realize how far we have come in such a short time. Oh, it's incredible. And honestly, Reese, I, I think this has got to be one of the most successful triathlon coaching slash marriage relationships that's ever occurred in our sport. I mean, you're, you're with Lucy the whole time. And I wanted to really talk about that because um, obviously you're a couple, you're married, you're also Lucy's coach. Um, just how tough does that get at times? I'm sure there are times when it's amazing and it all clicks, but, you know, when, when one or the other's having a bad day, how tough does it get though? Yeah, it's really, really hard. Um, pretty much every time Lucy has an injury or a setback, it's like I've had one too because I have to live Two. through yeah. that with yeah. her. Um, I've been quite fortunate in that I haven't had too many injuries, but um, Lucy's had a, a couple of, of things over the years and, and those times have been really tough when we've made absolutely massive progress and then all of a sudden you're derailed by something out yeah. of your control when you can't really rush an injury. So those are the low points and I, I certainly feel those with her. But we, you know, we, we, I don't claim to be some mastermind. I've just basically learnt as I go along, um, read the right books, listen to the right people and put my own spin on things. And it just seems to be working what we're doing. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're sticking to that at the moment. Oh. And um, it's it's quite it's quite a good relationship really isn't it it's really really working out so yeah I think one of the key things with both of us is we're we're able to make fun of ourselves and not take ourselves too seriously too seriously and yeah. also apply that to training at times as well so yeah we can be very serious with our training but we also can make it fun 
go on adventures with our training, do long rides or just say, actually, we just fancy going there and, and doing a training session or, or whatever. So we're trying to just keep it fun. And actually, that was the key reason we came into triathlon was we lost the love of swimming. It was no longer fun. And we wanted to come into a sport and have fun with it. And actually, I think that's probably why we've had a lot of success is because we're, we're actually just enjoying the journey and trying to keep it as fun as possible. Yeah, I think uh, pretty much all of our great attitude. Big- yeah, all of our big training sessions are, you know, like we look at what we've got to do and okay, it's going to be a six hour ride with a brick run. That's, that's going to be horrible. How can we make that interesting? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I remember those sessions. They, um, they were tough to keep interesting by the end of my career. I was like, Oh, another one. No, <laughs> but, um, and you know, it's obvious that you have a great attitude and, and, you know, you can see that whatever you are doing, it is working to a T. But Reese, obviously, you race. You're racing now as a professional athlete as well as Lucy. Um, how difficult is that? Because obviously, when Lucy's getting ready for a race, and let's say you're both racing the same event together, um, you know, you're going into race having to think about Lucy and her race, but also your own. Is it difficult? I know this is quite new because you've you know you haven't been racing as a professional athlete for that long, but. Is it difficult to do or you don't mind? You um, And I hate to say this, but I know that it's it's happened with a couple of athletes. It's it's almost like Lucy's number one and then you're, you're playing second fiddle when you race. I mean, it's just the way it is. Is this the way you look at it or you're just like, okay, Lucy's good enough now to look after herself. She can take care of her own race and I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to concentrate on myself. And I'm not being cruel here, but it's just, you know, the life of a professional triathlete, it, it can be quite a selfish one. Um, we all know that. Um, have you, have you actually experienced it where you're, you've been on the same race line together and you've just had to say, okay, I can't worry about Lucy today. I need to w- focus on myself and my own race. <laughs> That's a loaded question, Belinda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I told you there'd be a couple of hard ones, just a couple. <laughs> um, no, it's a brilliant question. And it's something we've discussed a few times. Um, the biggest, the biggest time I can really think where I was being completely um just not in my own race at all was actually challenge Gran Canaria and Ah, I had been I had I was doing the best race I'd done for the time I was leading all of the age groupers it was Lucy's first professional um well one of her first professional races I think maybe your second professional race and all of a sudden I was riding along the bike and I noticed that Lucy had made a jump on Daniela Reef and was in front of Daniela Reef. Wow. And all of a sudden I just completely snapped out of my race and was just uh, focused on what was going on in the women's race. And it happened to be a very um, out and back course there. So you could see on each lap what was happening. Um, and then, of course... Um, Emma Pallant was then closing on Lucy. So there was a massive fight going on in the women's race. And I was trying to get the splits of um, oh, how far in front of uh, oh, Daniela no. Reef was Lucy and how quick was uh, Emma Pallant closing and trying to relay that information back to Lucy, um, like trying to help out, not even realising I was still actually having a brilliant race of my own. Um, <laughs> every oh, time crazy. I saw Lucy, I was getting like an adrenaline rush. And after that race, I realised <laughs> that... Um, Lucy ended up finishing second to Emma Pallon and they had another little sprint finish on the six car. Seconds. Six seconds. Yeah, oh, that number haunts you, doesn't girl. it? Yeah. Six wow, wow. Um, so I got to the end of that race and realised that I hadn't even thought about that I'd had a good race. I was just completely ab- absolved in Lucy's race. And yeah. for that reason, that year, I probably could have made the jump to professional, but I decided that actually, do you know what, Lucy's... And th- that was the beginning of Lucy's you know, breakthrough really. She had breakthrough in a career. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That year, that year was the year she went on to finish second place on her debut pro racing Kona. So, um, I stayed age grouper for that year for that reason, to be honest. I was like, I I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but I need to focus on. And, and, and I'll be honest, it was mainly because of financial reasons at the time we had no money and Lucy was all of a sudden making a lot of money from doing so well in her races. And it was just a smart decision for for us to just say, okay, well, I'll just hold back on my career a bit. Um, and then fast forward, actually, the year I went professional, which was the year after that, um, everything changed. Um, Lucy had then gone on and done 
very well in lots of races. And then, of course, you've got the business side of triathlon took over mm. and the contracts um, were coming in. Sponsorship wasn't that hard to find anymore. And I turned professional, but also then became sort of Lucy's manager in in, in, in some ways. I was dealing in with all of well. the sponsorship, yeah. um, trying to take all of the pressure off of her with... Um, travel arrangements and uh, obligations in terms of making sure she's doing everything that she needs to be doing. And it got very stressful for me to make sure that she was doing everything she needed to be doing. At the same time, I turned pro and actually my training went backwards. Um, ah, right. Oh. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't the best year for me in that regard. And I think that looking back on that now, I shouldn't have done that. Um, and then thankfully, our, our manager came along, um, Evan, who I believe you yep. know. <laughs> of course. Good old Ev, yes. And, and um, took, took all that pressure off of me doing it. And, and now we're very happy. He deals with everything for Lucy and me on the occasion. Yeah. And I can focus on my <laughs> on myself a bit. Um, so, yeah, and we've also brought on a, a member of staff, so to speak, a guy called Paz, who I believe you know as well. He completely... Lovely guy, yep. Yeah, he basically holds our hand and nannies us all the time now. We just we <laughs> just train. Wrong with that. Yeah. He's well, a real handyman. We get him doing everything. Yeah. I don't think it's with triathlon. Hey, everyone it's... needs one of them. Everyone needs a handyman. But that's one thing I've noticed with you particularly over the last couple of years obviously as Lucy's become one of the greatest female triathletes on this planet right now is you have an amazing core team around you. I mean, obviously with yourselves with Evan and Paz, um, and I, I've obviously seen firsthand what Paz does at races, and it's even for someone like me, when I'm at a race and I need L Lucy somewhere at a certain time, I know I can go straight to Paz um, and it gets done. For example, setting up this interview today, straight to Paz. <laughs> so he is fantastic. And, and I know you've recently brought on your sister to do some photography as well. So you really have a great core team. And I know a lot of the top triathletes now you know, if they can get a great core team working with them, um, it seems to to pay off in dividends. You know, obviously, Jan Fredino is another example who has an amazing core team around him. And it just seems to, it means that you, Lucy, can, and, and Reese can concentrate on your training and racing, which is what you're best at. Yeah, I think the, the thing that's a real shame, I guess, is that um, we actually brought Paz on probably about a year ago. And Reese has really been able to focus a lot more on his training thanks to Paz taking that pressure off of him but we're just waiting for Reese to have a race now because he's been able to train all this time um and he's definitely made oh. some a massive game so hopefully yeah. he'll have a race soon where he can show the world what he's capable of well look in talking about racing it is looking and I never like to say for sure because I don't think anything in 2020 is going to be for sure but it is looking likely that there will be some racing particularly in Europe uh, at the back end of the year, I know that um, Challenge have got a couple of events. Challenge Davos is definitely going ahead and it's looking likely with Salou and Gran Canaria. So fingers crossed that they do go ahead. Um, but, yeah, it's it has been a crazy year. It's, it, I think it's the first time for me in about 20 years that I have not I, – I got to travel once at the beginning of the, of the season and that's it. So it's been such a bizarre time for all of us. But speaking about racing – Lucy and Reese, because I know you've both been doing this. Um, let's talk a little bit about the virtual racing. Now, obviously, back in the day when I was racing, this did not exist ever. Um, <laughs> you know, we didn't have Zwift or any of this um, virtual racing. But I know, Lucy, you've been loving it. You've been doing quite a bit of the virtual racing um, throughout this time. And what are your thoughts? Has it been something that's really helped? Because I know, Lucy, we all know you love to race. I, I, you can see it when you line up at the start line. You thrive. That is why you are who you are because you thrive on racing. And I love actually watching you before a race because you, you're like, um, you, you're like a, 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 um, you know, have you watched a dinner ride that the husky dogs when they get they're getting ready to take <laughs> off on the yeah. on the that's you, you know, and you're just you're just chomping for that gun to go off, and I love it because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're, you know, you should have that love for racing. Has this has this sort of quenched a bit of that um, that thirst for racing with the virtual? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we are we do a lot of our training indoors, so 
actually being yeah. locked down and being indoors is kind of how we live our life anyway and we are people who use Zwift a lot for our training and when I'm doing five six hour trainer rides that's what I'm doing I'm on Zwift so I feel like I know the platform quite well but I hadn't done a huge amount of racing on there I've done we do a national champs race and I've done that before and done quite well but actually to have a series where it's all the best triathletes in short course and long course racing together we've never done that before so it was really cool to see and actually to have so many of the top athletes lining up um but to begin with it was kind of just I was just going all in putting out all the power all the time and just (laughs) smashing myself to try and win and then I would watch Reese race and be like hang on Reese you're you're doing this a lot smarter than I am you kind of you put the (laughs) effort down then you'll sit in the pack and then do really well so I was like right I'm gonna watch Reese and learn how to do this and I think that that really did pay off when it, we started to get more and more of the top girls coming to race. I was coming like, oh, towards okay. it to do it. I, I know where to put the power down now. I know where I can have a little rest. And it's been really good, actually, because it, it brought the gaming element in as well. There's power-ups. There's all sorts going on that it, it made it a race, but also a game. And you got an amazing training stimulus from it as Session well. It's just an, yeah. Yeah, an yeah. hour of going hard. So it, it's definitely kept us going. Um Obviously, we can't wait for real racing, but it's it's been something to keep us motivated. Apart from when they made our race about 8pm in the evening. But actually, I know I won't complain because I think the Aussies had it worse than us. Um, we did. Yeah, I, I, I know Sarah Crowley was getting up at some extraordinary time to go. I'm like, you're crazy. But again, she said it was worth doing because it was just so much fun and it was motivating. And even if it meant that for the next week she was on a high because... It was so much fun and it, it, it was a way to see all you guys again. You know, she's used to racing against all you you ladies and it was she had nothing but good things to say about it, which is interesting because, you know, there's there's one prominent coach out there and I won't mention any names but I'm sure everyone <laughs> can guess who I'm talking about um, who almost thinks that it's a bit of a waste of time, um, which is quite interesting. But, you know, I mean, each to their own for sure, absolutely. But from everyone I've spoken to, from all the professional athletes I've spoken to, uh, and I know, you know, my good friends here on, in Noosa, Luke and Beth McKenzie, um, and they're not even, Luke's not even racing anymore. He still loves it. He still gets on and he says, if it gets me out of bed and it gets me on the bike and training, um, then I'm all for it. So I think there's definitely a lot more positives um, from this virtual racing than negatives, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, anything that motivates you during this time is worth it because I think at times it can definitely be hard to find motivation at the moment when we're not sure exactly when that race is going to be. If we've got something that you said that gets us out of bed, gets us on the bike, gets us working hard, then it can only be good. No, I totally agree. And speaking of which, we have to talk about your pain cave because obviously um, I'm a little bit of a gym junkie these days. And (laughs) when I first saw your pain cave, I was so jealous. It's unbelievable um how long have you had it set up like it's absolutely schmick um when did you actually first set that that pain cave up oh Risa, you can tell this story <laughs> yeah i remember being about four years old and walking the bricks of that building from the front to the back of the house for a bit of pocket money um each weekend uh we built that as part of my dad's uh boxing garage he was a professional oh, boxer was he and, I, yeah wow. so towards the sort of end of his career he wanted to build himself a gym where he could train but also train other people um and yeah for 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 the longest time it was a boxing gym with a boxing ring and some punch bags and stuff and you can still see remnants of that of course there's still yeah. the boxing ring in there um, boxing ring that's right but slowly over time um we took over it really <laughs> which he reminds us of every day <laughs> oh that's hilarious wow it's funny we think of that as our our gym but every now and again my dad comes in and goes oh this is my gym this isn't your gym <laughs> we are slowly reminded but um Reese's dad did do his first ever half distance last year so yeah. he is he's also a triathlete now so he can't complain at the triathlon no. setup because it definitely helped him do his uh his first half ironman race. Oh that's unreal. So it's all in the family now. I love it. Very <laughs> cool. Very cool. Well, it is. I mean, I I love looking at pictures and obviously when you guys are training there and what I love the most obviously this is not so much of a triathlete. I mean, most people love the setup of Zwift etc that you have, but I love all all the free weights. 
So Lucy and Reese, how important is strength training in your program? Um, obviously, to see how much Lucy's improved over the bike in such a short amount of time, I'm assuming that that's, that strength program is quite a, an important part of your weekly program. Yeah, we've we've well, when we was swimming, um, strength and conditioning was just a huge part. Huge, of, of course, um, of course. And yeah, we used to lift probably three or four times a week on on the, on that program. So we we knew the benefits of strength and conditioning even before we knew what triathlon was, and we basically just carried that through. Um, we figured if it's going to be beneficial for swimming, we can probably tweak it to be beneficial for the others. Um, and you know, we've been lifting weights in, in some shape or form since both of us were about, I don't know what, 11, 12 years old, really. Yeah. So it, it makes sense for us to continue that all the way through. And, and mostly now it's all about, um, less strength and more conditioning. It's more about just making sure we're keeping injuries at bay, balancing out probably some un- uneven muscle groups, making sure that everything is nice and balanced and aligned rather than, you know, Back when we were swimmers, it was all about just generating raw power. Um, raw power, of course, less, yeah. Yeah, it's less about that now. It's more about the conditioning side of things. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, we're, we're, we're forever um, tweaking and changing our strength and conditioning program. It's, it's become quite a hybrid of things that we've done for the last 10 years, but it's, um, it's something we both love. And we always say that if we weren't triathletes, we'll probably be CrossFitters because that's what we oh, love. I love as well, it. So. I love it. Me too. Yeah. Me too. We probably can't. If you- <laughs> We probably can't even say CrossFit anymore. It's uh, we're not allowed to oh, say. No, CrossFit that's right. Anymore. No, that's right. Sorry, but we yeah. we Jim. do love that style of training, and sometimes mm-hmm. we'll throw that in to um, mix things up a bit. That's good, though. I mean, I, I honestly, uh, I, back in the day when I was I was training, and we're talking way back now, uh, it was basically just swim, bike, run, and we really didn't do a lot of specific um, strength and conditioning training. And um, it's not. It's only when I fast forward now, and I think if only I'd done that. Uh, I think particularly for an endurance events where it's all about holding form for as long as possible. Um, so yeah, it definitely, definitely has its place in our sport. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah I think I think Dave Scott and Mark Allen, one of them was really into weights. I think it might have been Dave Scott. Dave Scott, um, yes, that's right. Yeah, so he, I mean, you know, he was leagues in front of his competition at the time, so perhaps he had that advantage over everyone. I think most triathletes now they do, they do, do strength and yeah. conditioning, so it's probably an even playing field. You're probably disadvantaged if you don't nowadays, no. rather than no, you totally know, jump in the competition. Totally agree. <laughs> now, talking about uh, racing, obviously one of the races we've talked about Challenge Roth, which is supposed to be on um, this weekend, not happening till 2021. Now, another race that uh, we thought we might be able to pull off was obviously the championship. Um, in Slovakia, uh, at, in Samarin, Slovakia. And, of course, this year was also, along with the PTO, was going to be the first running of the Collins Cup, which I was so intrigued to watch because I think it was such an amazing concept and a brand-new concept uh, for triathlon. And then, of course, that was cancelled. But, Lucy, talking about the championship, obviously Challenge Family have had that uh, three times now, 2017, 18 and 19, and you have won all three, which is in truly incredible um so it's obviously a race that you like and it it certainly likes you um are you looking forward to finally uh doing the championship or not doing the championship but doing the collins cup next year yeah definitely i was so excited for the collins cup it was just obviously a completely new format and i know that i love that course in summer exactly it it, it suits me to a t um i just i've i've loved it every year i've had different races every year but always come out on top so it was somewhere that I was really excited to go back to actually be part of team Europe in this new format as well so girls that I normally have to race against who I'm like oh god I've got to race these girls were actually going to be on my team (laughs) in a team yeah yeah. so that was pretty cool um yeah I mean I can't wait for it next year I think it's going to be one of those races where everyone's going to talk about it for ages because it's different it's good everyone's going to want to watch it and we actually spoke to Sam Renoff and he kind of spoke us through the whole format and told us how it was going to work how they were going to intro athletes keep the crowd engaged they'd really fought through everything so um obviously it's such a shame that it's not happening this year but obviously it's just more excitement for next year and, and getting to do all these races again 
Definitely. And of course, we still, we're still hoping, fingers crossed, that um, Challenge Daytona, so the PTO World Championship, will take place at the end of the year. I know it's a very big unknown at the moment just with everything that's going on, but, you know, a $1 million prize purse, which I'm sure every single pro on this planet right now would love to have the opportunity to line up and, and at least um, be in it, as they say, to win it. But that's another race. Is that still a race that you are looking to do? I mean, obviously with race schedules right now, nothing is a guaranteed, a sure thing. But I still think it's important that you need to have some sort of a race schedule in place just in case. Yeah, with athletes, we, we're used to just working towards a goal. So we're kind yeah. of working as if that race is definitely happening. All our training is tailored towards that happening. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't. But for us, you kind of just have to put that at the back of your mind and go, you know what, it's happening. We're doing our training yeah. for it. It's going to keep us motivated. Obviously, it's a mega prize purse. So um, I think it's definitely worth making the trip if we can and... Yeah, we loved Challenge Daytona when we went there. Actually, that was our last race, so it may have been our last race. It might oh, be our first race been, back. Yeah. So, oh, wow, so, I didn't um, think of that. That's interesting, <laughs> of course, yeah. So, yeah, we loved it, actually. it was. We went there quite relaxed. We'd obviously come off of Kona and had a bit of a break and we're thinking it's kind of almost a bit of a destination holiday race, completely different racing under the floodlights on the speedway and really loved it actually it was it was a great trip so yeah if we can get to go there in December do this major race um yeah we'll definitely try and be there and of course you're currently sitting in second place in the PTO rankings behind um Daniela Reef um so obviously if you do go over and race and you happen to pull off a win it'll be great for your for the rankings for yourself obviously but the um, I'm assuming the $1 million prize purse is, is the game changer. Now, speaking of which, and I'm putting you on the spot a bit here, Lucy and Reese. obviously things looking the way they are, um, there may be an, uh, a chance that you would have to quarantine on the way home. Do you think just, just I'd like to get the, the opinion of, of one of the best pro athletes in the world, would that be something you'd be willing to do um, to get in a, you know, a big-time race? Yeah, I mean, we actually spent um, seven weeks officially in quarantine Indoors, in our gym. Course. So we'd just probably <laughs> move back in there and uh, we'd be fine. We can spend two weeks in there. But, I mean, if, if we win the big time, I don't think we're going to mind just sitting indoors for two weeks we could probably chilling out indoors to, so yeah we just spend it while we could we're get out. another few dogs couldn't we <laughs> this is true. Still delivering, aren't they? So. <laughs> i don't know if amazon deliver dogs but <laughs> <laughs> i think anything's possible these days oh my gosh it's crazy but um and speaking about so you actually did move into your gym didn't you so when things got pretty nasty in the uk you actually moved yourself from the house into the gym for two weeks yeah, yeah. <laughs> we formed like a little defensive bubble at my mum's house. Um, we figured like, well, no one's going anywhere. The only place we need to be really is training in the gym. Why don't we yep. just move our bed in here and stay in here? And then we know everyone's safe. No one's going out, coming into contact with people that might potentially have it. Um, we got all of our sort of food delivered. The only thing we went out for every now and again was to walk the dog. Um, and we of figured course, that would yeah. be the safest. And we live in London, so it's it's very densely populated. Uh, we don't okay. have the freedom of, you know, fields and stuff around us. So it was like the safest thing to do at the time. And and during that time, there was it was there was so much uncertainty with everything that we just figured that would be the best approach to take. And it was all right, actually. We actually yeah. weirdly enjoyed it, didn't we? Yeah, it was apart quite, from getting yeah. woken up by foxes jumping on the roof at 5 a.m. Oh, yeah, and yeah. there was a cat <laughs> oh, that no. meowed really early every morning, but yeah. that was quite a good alarm clock. And then alarm clock to up. get you up out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. And now, of course, um, it's obviously the UK rules have relaxed a little and you're able to travel. So you're actually not in uh, London at the moment, are you? Where are you at the moment? Yeah, so we just travelled down to the southwest of uh, the UK, a place called Cornwall. Um, it's lovely round here for everyone who has been uh, or doesn't know it. It's it's like the kind of picture postcard of Great Britain or UK that you would see. Um, lots of rolling hills and coastline and stuff. So we've come down here in the van for a week where we can get some training in a, in a different kind of scenery. And uh, yeah, we, we've basically been looking forward to this all year and finally as of today we've been allowed to do it so we're here 
Yeah, we were and supposed course, to be. <laughs> yeah, well, Lola's, we, Lola's with you too, though, isn't she? Of course, I'm, yeah, I'm Lola's, of course. Lola's here. We, uh, we've actually been working on a few things with Lola. So we've got a canny cross uh, lead so we can run with her. Probably the smallest canny cross dog, but she's got some speed on her. Um, oh, I bet she does. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we also rigged her up. She has a little GoPro on her harness. So when she runs oh, with us, she can film us from her little head view, which we tested out yesterday on the way uh, down and it it worked oh, pretty awesome. well didn't it <laughs> that's awesome I can't wait to see footage that's coming I mean mom my husband and I run with our dogs uh probably three or four times a week and we absolutely love they love it as you know I've spoken about many times and um our friends see us out there and we're, we're the laughing stock of course of, of Noosa with it but they love it it's a way of getting out there and it's it's unreal now how far have you actually run with us so far I mean, she would run and run and run and she is, we've yeah. taken her down the track. We've got a grass track that we can actually go and use at the moment and we'll have like a hundred meter head start and call her and we can't even make it to 150 no. meters before she's got us. But <laughs> she's got she, you. <laughs> she's, she's done about 12k, hasn't she? Yeah, uh, at, at a steady, yeah, at a steady pace. She's, she's come 12k with us and at the end, she still wants more. So I more, think she no, would just keep I going. Know. So yeah. <laughs> Now, now, where did this love, I mean, obviously, um, uh, I've got my two dogs and they're my, they're my two babies. Where did your love for dogs come from? Did you grow up with dogs, both of you, or this is just something that's happened over the years? Yeah, I've, I've all, always had a dog. So just dog, yeah. yeah. Dog lover from, from day one, really. Yeah, I've, I've pretty much grown up with dogs. My mum and dad loved dogs. My mum and dad had dogs growing up. And actually, my... My nan passed away in 2013, I think it was. It was actually right. a, a really strange time when pretty much I said I didn't want to swim anymore and she happened to pass away that night and was my biggest fan. I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but we ended up having her dog um, because my ah. granddad's, it was a bit of a, a bit of hard for my granddad to have her. So, and we just fell in love with her and she's a Jack Russell cross. Um, okay. And she's, a, she's a great little dog. She's actually getting quite old now, but she still runs with my mum and dad. And I think that's where we thought actually, she's quite a hardy little dog. She'll run. And that's where we thought actually, I think a Jack Russell would be a good dog Perfect. for us. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love it. And of course, she's got her own Insta site, which when she's got more followers than mo- most pro athletes, <laughs> I think she's got something like, she's got over 9,000 followers, which is insane. Um, so yeah, she's a very, very popular little dog. That's for sure. She's yeah, got her she, own sponsorship deals. <laughs> she's yes. got sponsorship deals, yeah. She, oh, um, I, can, I can understand it. Oh, it's crazy. She probably, she probably had one of the quickest rises in followers. We set up her account and in about 12 hours she had 5,000 followers. And oh, I think insane. most people obviously knew the story around um, Kona and, and my finished position and getting dogs. So she, yeah, she yeah, was yeah. the result of... Uh, I had to come back and and get Sarah Crowley to get Lola, so um, I have to say thank you to Sarah for Sarah for that. <laughs> I love it. And of course, Sarah's got two beagles. She's a dog. she loves dogs oh. as well, so she would appreciate and understand um, <laughs> this very well. Um, now, talking about followers, and this is probably the touchiest uh, subject that we'll get onto today. Um, I did I did warn you there'd be one or two. <laughs> harder questions to answer. Now, Lucy, you, you know, you've got something like 325,000 followers on Instagram and you are definitely the most popular triathlete, female triathlete in the world, if not uh, triathlete. I think, you know, I, I think maybe Jan Fredino is the only one offhand that I, I can think of that may have a few more followers. And the reason I bring this up is because obviously back in the day, particularly back when I was racing, I think Facebook was around obviously, but that was about it. Twitter had just started to become popular and it wasn't until I was actually getting out of the sport that Instagram popped up. And I, I distinctly remember Michael Lovato was the first person, first pro triathlete I knew that set himself up with an Insta account. And <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, this is just silly. It won't last. It's just photos, whatever. Um, how wrong could I be? Uh, now I think about it and pretty much every contract you would sign would have some sort of social media commitment involved. So the way it has changed, it is a huge chunk of being a professional athlete right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems silly. And obviously, like back in the day, you'd probably think, what is what is all this yeah, new world? I did. But, um, <laughs> I did. Yeah. And um, it, it is like triathlon is a full-time job, hence why 
we've ended up bringing staff on and I've got my sister who really helps me with all my media getting the shots um so we have we can tell our story day on day and it it really is part of the process and I think I'm quite lucky because I actually do enjoy it and that's probably why I'm so active on there because I do enjoy kind of sharing my story and I actually studied photography so I always I'm like oh that would be a really cool shot Holly we could try this um which I think is why I love working with my sister doing it but I did actually work in marketing for about a year when I I quit swimming and was doing my first triathlon stuff and I needed a job so I ended up working in marketing at a local zoo which kind of combined my love of animals and and social media so I think that helped me quite a lot and also I remember being in Kona as an age grouper for the first year and someone had made a comment um, when I was trying to get sponsors because it's so hard to get sponsors in the early days and they were like well you just wouldn't know how to market yourself so that's probably why and I was like (laughs) right "Right, I can market myself and I'm going to show you that I can and I think um, definitely a lot of a lot of time has gone into it but I just try and be as genuine as I can and and tell my story and, and have a bit of fun and try and inspire yeah, particularly young women to to give sport a go that's that's what I'm trying to achieve I think because we've not long been pro and it wasn't that long ago we was age groupers as well I think we're quite relatable mm. to um we still think us think of ourselves as uh, uh very novice in the sport and sometimes it yeah, comes across yeah. and we you know we, we we might capture a funny moment that perhaps doesn't paint us in the best professional light we might have uh, made a few mistakes, but we're like, Do you know what? That'd be quite funny. Put that on Instagram, and I'm pretty sure other people would have made that mistake too and could relate to it. And I think that's probably why you've got quite a lot of followings. People can yeah, relate I don't. To can relate to it. Yeah, downs. they relate to you yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And you know, and I, I know, I know for a lot of young women out there, particularly with the battle braids, um, which was a really cool concept, and that's just huge now um, around the world. And I love it, but. With all the amazing things, and Lucy, you really have done some incredible things for females in sport and for the sport in general, and that's, you know, obviously why you are so loved. But one of the things that uh, really gets me upset about social media is as as many fantastic outcomes from it, you also get the other side where you open yourself up to be be absolutely, um, to be criticised. And I know there have been some posts in the past where every person's been able to get on and give their opinion and that's fine everyone's entitled to their opinion that's social media we all know that but how do you personally how do you and Reese cope and I mean obviously Reese, you can see some of these comments can be pretty hard hitting at times um and it must be tough for you to see someone writing about your wife in this in this manner and is it is it something that you discuss together and, and you move beyond together or is there times when it really does get you down uh, I think we're quite. I think we're quite lucky. We're quite thick-skinned. Um, yeah. You know, yep. some, some sometimes if someone makes a really really nasty comment, uh, very rarely do we actually uh, look at look at them comments and think, oh well, you know, get upset by them. But if we do, no. nine times out of ten, you can go on their Facebook or go on their Instagram and find something just as funny exactly. that you think you could perhaps comment back, but you wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, no, you wouldn't. That's <laughs> but, right. But. I really don't think it phases us too much. Everyone's entitled to their opinion and, um, you know, we're we're pretty thick-skinned and, and if they want to take the mick and say some nasty things, let them do it. Yeah. So, Nine so times out of ten as well, a lot of people jump on your defence. Yeah, anyway, we, are, so. we are very yeah, lucky yeah. in that, that a lot of the time I don't even have to comment back. Someone would no. have done it for me. And, for um, you, yeah, which is perfect. Nice, so. <laughs> it's yeah. perfect, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's like for every one negative comment you've got about... 30 positive. So yeah, I don't think you've got a problem in that department. That's for sure. But it is an interesting concept because, uh, you know, for a lot of, a lot of pro athletes back in the day, this just was not something they had to deal with. Um, it was so much easier. Just swim, bike, run, go to races, do some social media at the races, then come home. And that was it. But now it's, it's this constant and very important part of being a professional athlete. And, um, yeah, I was just interested, obviously, because you are the most popular athlete, um, just interested to see how you did cope with it. But, yeah, you're doing an incredible job. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, thanks. I think, I mean, obviously, 
um I feel for a lot of people as well because it is it can be a nasty world of social media so you do mm-hmm. have to be quite thick-skinned and actually the best thing to do is to not comment back because then they don't get the satisfaction of causing an argument and actually getting any attention on that person so um I I just can't really understand it though I've never dream no. of even if I didn't really like someone I'd never dream of commenting something horrible on oh, their posts I it's feel, just like feel exactly the same yeah I'm, I'm exactly the same and and that doesn't mean that I haven't commented on someone before just said something out loud but to actually write something it's just yeah, it, it baffles me it really does yeah. um now we have to talk about Kona we have to talk about the Ironman World Championships because as you said you turned up there for the first time ever um and finished second which you know for most people that that's just never ever going to happen um and Maybe being a little naive um, when you first went there was a good thing um, because you could obviously just go there and, and, and just race, which is what you're so good at. But just talk me through, obviously, 2017. Um, how was that when you, when you got there? Did you, did you expect it to be as big as it was? I mean, we, so we went to Kona in 2015 as age groupers and, and so we, we did know the course, but obviously we were just going there to, to finish and enjoy the journey like most age groupers are. But then to go back in 2017, I kind of, we went there a little bit with that kind of attitude. You know what? It's your first pro race. Go there, see what you can do. We obviously know I've got a great swim. I'm, I'm getting stronger on the bike and. And the run is, is progressing as well. But we kind of, I'd set the target of, you know what, it would be amazing to finish top 10. And to begin with, well, it's just amazing to qualify as a pro for Kona. So um, yeah. to actually, to get in the top 10 was definitely something that we set. Um, and then, yeah, we just kind of, we worked really, really hard. We went out to Club La Santa in Lanzarote. We did a great camp out there and, um yeah, we just enjoyed working towards it. I, I'm definitely someone who prefers racing in hot climates. I, I don't like mm. the cold, so it definitely suits me to go and race somewhere hot. But yeah, I think until I win that race, that year will be my favourite year without a doubt because I just ah, was so okay. ecstatic crossing that line. I was just could not believe it that I'd, I'd managed to get second in my first pro race there. And um, the hardest thing was that Reese was actually racing and I think a few things had gone wrong in the race and I just wanted to have Reese at the finish line and I think you were still out on the course. <laughs> I was. That was the ne- next example of when um, Reese's race <laughs> I, overtook my one. It's yeah, just like, I, can I can't understand. explain. I, it was like, I'm going down the Queen K thinking, oh, like I was actually leading the entire age group race at that point, uh, which oh, is wow. a big deal as an age group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a big deal. And then all of a sudden we get to Harvey and the lead, you see the helicopters in the distance, all the pro men come flying past. So that distracts you a little bit and you think, oh, that was cool. I wonder how Lucy's yeah. getting on. And you don't expect her to have a four minute lead over Daniela Reef. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and then pretty much oh. after that point, that was it. I was that my, my Kona race was like, I was just distracted by what is going on with Lucy's race. How, I did, how is she winning? What is happening? Um, and then after that, I got three punches anyway. So that was my race over. Oh, no. Oh, crazy. Um, and then, of course, next year you come back again, 2018. You do the same thing again. And leading these races for majority of the day, Lucy, I mean, it's it's crazy. When I actually just went back and had a look at, the, at your races and where the amount of time you led the World Championships and, you know, just to get run down. And then, of course, last year, uh, not, not with Danny, but with Annie, Annie Hug. Um, truly incredible. So that record alone to be second three times in a row, as frustrating as I, and I mean, I'm not going to lie, as frustrating as I'm sure it is for you, um, it's it's still pretty incredible. Yeah, I think the first year, obviously, I came second, and um, when I went back the next year, I wanted to prove because a lot of people thought, "Who is this girl?" That's probably a bit of a, a fluke. fluke, and it's a fluke. I wanted you don't to fluke prove, Kona. yeah. <laughs> No. I wanted to prove that, you know what, no, this is who I am and this is where I'm, what I'm about. And obviously, yeah, it is frustrating to come second three times, but it's it's so difficult to even do that because every year the field is progressing, the girls are getting stronger. And actually, I've had to put down a better performance every single year every still time. to come yeah. second. So mm-hmm. um, 
I'm so hungry to get that win there. And I, I know it's going to happen. I know that we're, we're going to make it happen. But I think last year was the most agonizingly close to be about 10 oh. miles into that run and get overtaken. It was like, and I know the kind of level of runner that Annie is and to kind of, I, I thought, you know what, it's going to be ridiculous to come back around her. So, um, and then I knew that Sarah was closing as well. And actually I had to dig deep to go back around her in those last few miles, well, but yeah, yeah. Um, it was worth it. We got the dog. Um, but yeah, that race <laughs> <Of> is, <laughs> that race is something else. And um, oh. yeah, we're, we're going to crack it. I know we are. And Lucy, what is it with you women from from Great Britain? Because you are doing e- extraordinary things. I mean, your story reminds me a little bit of Chrissy Wellington when she came from, and I know that year she came and she won and everyone's like, who is this person? Like nobody knew who she was um, and she she just killed it. And I think of all the amazing female athletes, Rachel Joyce, um, Jodie Swallow, Chrissy, yourself, I mean, Laura Siddle, there's so many amazing athletes out of, of Great Britain and you are truly paving the way for this distance. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I think there's something about the Brits. We are pretty tough. It, I, actually, oh. if you stay in the UK and train, it is very tough to train here, <laughs> You've particularly got to be in the winter <laughs> the or you're just pounding oh. it indoors. It's just, it just makes you tough. And um, yeah. there's there's so many great athletes. It just spurs you on. I mean, obviously, I was super inspired by the likes of Chrissy and Lucy Gossage, who I love, and Rachel oh, Joyce. Oh, Lucy's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. They all inspired me when I came into triathlon and I kind of thought, you know what, I, I hope that I can inspire others as well and kind of play the role that they had on me. There's also an element of... Um, it, you, you don't get any support from British triathlon as a long distance athlete. Oh, and that's not okay. a dig. Yep. I'm just saying no, no. that if you're a long distance athlete, you've got to be doing it because you absolutely want to do it. Love it. And you love yeah. it because you don't get any help. Yep. And no. I think that's a big element in why you're seeing so many of these uh, amazing athletes from the UK doing so well because they're doing it because they want to do it, not because uh, they're getting any help in any shape or form. So it's, it's bred kind of this pure athlete that just is doing it for the love of doing long distance yeah yeah no I, I you can actually see it and as I said you know I when I'm at races and I, I often get that little time for about that, that 10 minutes before race start and I get to look at the faces of of the professional athletes and one thing that I've as I said before that I've noticed time and time again uh with Lucy is that you can just see that the absolute love for racing that it is a Absolutely, well, absolutely where you want to be. There's nowhere else you'd rather be. You can see it. And I think that's what separates you from, from quite a few other athletes. I think there are athletes, pro athletes out there that, that love to train, love the idea of being a professional athlete and traveling the world, but they're actually shit scared of racing. I have to say. <laughs> and I think once the gun goes, it all settles down. There's no doubt. Yeah. But, but the look that you see in your eyes compared to others, um, it's a completely different look. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think I'm definitely, I, I love to train, but I live to race, like racing. Yep, I just yep. get me on that start line and I just want to let loose every time. So um, <laughs> I love that. It's de- yeah, it's made it a difficult year this year, but it's actually made me kind of reignite that love for training and why I do that as well. So I think it's yeah. it's been good in a way, but I, I definitely can't wait to race. Oh, and look, and the great thing with you both is, you, as you said, you're still so young in the sport. I mean, you're young anyway, but you're you're certainly young uh, as far as the sport goes. So it, it, I always say, I was talking to Josh Amberger the other day and he's like, well, I'm still really young. He goes, I'm fine. He goes, yes, I miss racing. He's another athlete that loves to race. But as he said, you know, Belinda, this has given me a chance to just calm down, take a step backwards, concentrate on some other things. I'm still young. I've got plenty of years ahead of me. Um, and it was such a great attitude. I thought for for such a young guy, he's got such a wise head on his shoulders and I think, you know, you guys are the same. You've got plenty, plenty of years left to race. So, yeah, we just we just forget 2020 ever existed and we move straight on to 2021, I think. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good plan. Um, listen, I won't keep you guys much longer. I know you've literally just got to your, your new training destination for a while. Um, I'm sure you guys are itching to get out there and, and uh, either go for a run or a ride, uh, which you're, you are now allowed to do, which is great. 
Um, and thank you both so much for talking to me today. I know that uh, you have got that many fans that'll be dying to uh, listen. So big thank you to both Reese and Lucy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thanks, Belinda. Yeah, it's been great to talk to you and relive some of our memories as well, which has been nice this morning. Yeah, thanks a lot. Perfect. Thanks, guys. And I, I, I am definitely looking forward to seeing you at the uh, next race, maybe at the end of the year. Fingers crossed. Yeah, let's, let's, so. let's keep our fingers crossed. That'll be great. Fingers crossed. Love it. Thanks, guys. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to Coffee Calls with Belinda. I really hope you enjoyed listening. If you'd like to continue listening and stay updated on our latest podcasts, then please subscribe. It would also be great if you could rate our podcast and leave us a review. If you have any specific questions you'd like me to ask the athletes, then please send through to the following email address, podcast at challenge family.com. The making of these podcasts would not be possible without the wonderful help of our great partners, Powerbar, Otso, Zone 3, Lubos Billick at LB Training, Sport No Limit Group and Velosop. But for now, thanks so much for listening and I'll be back soon for another coffee.